You're listening to Soul School with Laura Coe and Kevin Kaiser. On this show, we dive into life's biggest questions. Who are we? What are we here to do? And how can we fearlessly live as our truest, deepest selves? Soul School is the spiritual education you never received. So if you're ready, join us as we explore together. Soul School is in session. Welcome to this week's episode of Soul School. Hey, Kevin. Hey, we're back. We're here again. Here we are. Thank you for um, for taking the time out today. I'm so excited for this episode. Uh, we were talking about, we talk a lot about non-duality. Um, we both mm-hmm. love the topic and you in particular have just really embraced it. Um, I know you're going to talk about it a lot in the episodes to come um, because it's something that I think encapsulates a lot of your beliefs, but I just don't want to take for granted to, for the listeners, you know, what this topic is. It's so, so rich and it's so Mm. filled with history, but it's also kind of complicated. I don't know the word, even non-duality just feels like a bit of a barrier. Like, what is that? So I thought today we would just demystify it a little chat about it hear your perspective and also why it matters so much to you. So if you could just take a minute for those who haven't even come across it, what is the non-dualist perspective and how can somebody experience it quickly if they, um, you know, like have no, no exposure? Yeah. Well, it's um, best way to describe it. I'm going to have to steal from a couple of different people um, because it, you know, Rupert Spira, Sri Nisargadatta, like all of these people who, you know, for a long time have been talking about what it is because it's, I mean, it's the idea that really is at the foundation of all, like every spiritual tradition, you know, this notion that um, reality is one, there's one indivisible reality. Um, and it's the experience of that. I mean, I, I love how Rupert Spira describes it. He says, you know, look, the peace and happiness are the very nature of our being. It's actually who we are. And we share that experience. We share that being, that existence with everyone and everything in existence. And it really is that simple. Mm-hmm. Like we actually are happiness and peace. And and there's no distinction between us and anything else. There's like, we look out at the world and we see all of these various things, like a multiplicity of things, you know, diversity, but then diversity is really a unity. It's one thing, ultimately one substance that is expressing is everything. And, you know, this isn't just a, like a spiritual idea. I mean, this really is becoming widely accepted as a scientific truth. You know, people talk about quantum field theory and what is the nature of matter and what is the nature of reality. It, it really is just this one, one thing that is expressing it, it, itself in multiple ways, infinite ways. And um, that's really what it is. And so if somebody... I love the way that you described it. That's that's awesome. So if somebody's like, okay, I hear you, but I don't know how to connect to that. So yeah. do you have like a favorite way to give people an experiential way to to 
to know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you can't experience it, like what use is it? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, let me, let me, let me ask you a question. Um, how do you know you exist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have an awareness of myself. You have an aware. Yeah. You have an awareness of yourself, right? Like no matter who, like no matter who we are, like we all know experience, like we know that we exist and it really is as simple as that. It really is as direct as that, that, I mean, right here, people are hearing my voice and they don't have to try to hear my voice. Like the awareness of my voice is just effortless, right? Like the, the sensation of the air in the room on my skin. I don't have to make my body feel that. It's just effortless. And I'm seeing you and I don't have to make my eyes see you. There's just, it's happening. And I am aware that it's happening. And it really is just that. It is just this really simple awareness that I exist. I'm here. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what is experiencing everything, you know, without that, there is nothing. Mm-hmm. And so that experience of awareness of I exist, I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, it doesn't, it's not wrapped in anything else, right? Like it's not qualified by anything else. Um it's not just that I am a man, like you can strip away every descriptor for that awareness and mm-hmm. that awareness isn't affected at all. Yeah. So it really is just that simple. And it's like um, <clears throat> the same eye that's aware that of the air in the room and the mm-hmm. it's the same eye that's aware of my gender. It's the same eye that's aware that we're having the conversation. There's, there's one awareness that's like sort of aware that I'm on a planet that's aware that there is a galaxy, right? If you kind of keep zooming out and saying, connect to the part of you that's aware of the awareness even, right? And you get far enough back and you're like, what's that, right? Yeah. And that's the true I. And um, it's, it's, it's an experience that I don't think a lot of us spend our time focused on we mostly focus on (laughs) our thoughts, right? We think about our feelings or thoughts, avoiding displeasure, leaning into what we want, feeling frustrated about what we don't want, right? Like uh, the the sort of enormity of the tasks and the things that we're dealing with in our day-to-day. But you can kind of always just slip into the awareness of the awareness. Right. And, yeah, and, and then, yeah. And, and then realize, well, which one's the real you. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. Every, I mean, I'm sure everybody's had the experience of like their mind being really frantic. And then you have this thought, man, I wish my mind would just calm down. <laughs> right. And you, you, you have this realization if you really pay attention that, okay, well, who's the person who's saying that? So my mind is going crazy. It's spinning out of control, but I'm actually witnessing spinning. It's spinning out of control Yeah. and really investigating that and not just thinking about it. Cause you actually can't think your way to that. 
you know, you can't set the mind free with the mind. Right. But there is just this kind of intuition um, of, of the existence of the awareness, because I, I led a, a, a client of mine, I, I coach a lot of people and, and we were talking about this topic and he said, I like, I don't understand what you mean. And, you know, like talk me through this. And, and he'd said, you know, I'm, I'm depressed. And I said, no, you're not depressed. It's like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm depressed. I said, no, you, you're feeling, you're experiencing depression, but have you always been depressed? Well, no. And do you think this feeling of depression will go away? Well, yeah. It's like, okay, so when it goes away, do you go away? He's like, no. And it's the exact same thing with our thoughts. Like where are the thoughts that you had five minutes ago? Mm-hmm. You know, they came and then they went. Where are the feelings that you had five years ago? Well, they came, you experienced them and then they disappeared. But did you disappear? No. Like whatever you are, isn't that it's not the feelings because unhappiness will come. And then in some instant unhappiness turns into something else, you know, so you're not the unhappiness, but happiness is the same way too. Like happiness comes and you experience it and then happiness goes away. You know, you know, so it's, you are that, you are that thing, that awareness that doesn't disappear. It's always there. And it's the thing that really got me when I, I really, it really hit me. I realized that this awareness of who I am is the same awareness that I had a week ago. It's the same awareness I had a month ago. And it's that same awareness of existence that I had when I was five years old. It's just that over time, my awareness has become really involved with the content of my thoughts and my feelings and the investment I have because I've been taught to have investment in the way life should be. And then I become so confused. My awareness creates an an identity, which is just an idea entity. If you want to think of it that way, it's just a bundle of memories and stories around those memories and, and all of the investments I have in those memories. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But it's none of those things. Yeah, it's really a profound shift of awareness of of how we identify with ourselves. So so I know you well and I know you have had your own process to uh find these ideas to embrace them and then you know there's the knowing of them in your mind and then there's the knowing of them as truth right they were they sort of oh, yeah. become you know yes this is reality what's been your process like you know yeah when did you discover these ideas when did they become so meaningful to you and and specifically this view of non-dualism when did that really just you know yeah. hammer on the nail <laughs> hammer on the nail so I've been at this for like 25 years, actually longer than that, since I was a teenager. So I'm 48 now. So like I've read all this stuff, um, all, you know, Buddhism, Christianity, I grew up a Christian and uh, they're all point, they all point to the same fundamental truth. You know, this one reality, we've just piled a bunch of stuff on top of it. So I learned a bunch of stuff 
And then I found that I had to unlearn things because I just had this intuition that it has to be really simple. It's got to be really simple. And I want to say maybe like five or six years ago, I ran across Ramana Maharshi, um, who, um, you know, a lot of people were probably familiar with. He was this guy who lived in India and never wrote a thing in his life. I'm not even sure he was literate, but people will come and talk to him. And uh, somebody eventually wrote a book about, about his teaching. And it was just simply, he said, all you need to do is ask the question, who am I? And so, because we all have the experience, right? Like we do it without even realizing it. We're like, I'm here. You know, I am this, I am that. You know, I'm I'm angry, I'm depressed. And Ramana Maharshi would say, who is I? What do you mean by I? And I would just sit and I would just think about that. And I would try and feel it and sense it. And just one day I just, I got it. I realized that, that I suffer from a chronic case of mistaken identity. That yeah. it's like, uh, wow, I'm, I'm not who I think I am and I'm not who I think others think I am. And it was like, it was like in a moment, I under, like, I, I got a hold of this thing that, okay, I'm born before I learned any kind of language. I was just like, what, like awe and wonder. I was just totally experiencing the world. And then the adults got to me and then I started lear learning language about, um, you're this, you're that, um, you're not complete, but you will be when you become an astronaut or a wealthy stockbroker, right? <laughs> yeah. And we develop these identities. And um, I just saw so clearly that there's no such thing as a person. Like a person is an invention. And um, I'm not saying that I'm not, a I'm not real, I'm very real. But the stories that I have about who I think I am and who I think others think I am is all made up. And so then what is the real part? The real part is that awareness. It's that, it's that being. And again, like, you know, I'll go back and steal from, from Rupert, um, you know, that, that at the very core of our being is happiness. Like we actually, it's the still point of the turning world that we talked about in the last episode mm -hmm. uh, with T.S. Eliot, that peace, well-being, happiness are the very fabric of our being. They actually are the nature of our being. And everything else is piled on top of it. It mm -hmm. obscures that. You know, mm -hmm. we're actually seeking happiness um, and actually what we're doing when we're seeking happiness, because I work with people that are like high achievers, you know, people that have caught the carrot, you know, they've got all the things and they're not happy. And, and that's the thing is like, you actually are it. Like when you, when you have no need of anything else in order to be happy, happy, you're totally complete. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's really what non-duality is. It's that truth that you are, um, like happiness is the truth of your being and, and it's the truth of everybody's being and it's the truth of everything. Um, and the recognition of that is, 
um, earth shattering, really. But it's so simple. So Kevin, we, we spend our lives um, seeking happiness. We, you know, people are doing all sorts of things, healthy or not, right? Trying to be ha- happier. Sometimes it's um, through pleasure seeking, which really doesn't end up too great in the end because those things have an, a toll on, on one's body or health or what have you. Um, sometimes it's through working harder. Sometimes it's through attaining more and, and we're, but we're trying to seek a sense of self, right? A sense of happiness, mm-hmm. a sense of something. How, once we know, okay, I am, I am, I am right already the energy of happiness. I am being, I am emotion already with the energy of the universe, right? If let's just say we get to a place where we have some inkling of what that means and that that wants to express out to the world, how do you think of like the idea of seeking or doing or activating, right? Because I think there's this myth that that perhaps maybe we do, we do nothing or like, we're just, we're just being and <laughs> sitting yeah. around. Right. I don't, I don't think that's it. So yeah. how do you combine seeking activity and, and being? Yeah. So, I mean, the thing that we learn from a very young age is that you do things in order to be happy. Right? So right. you seek things. That's right. Um, but the opposite is actually true. You know, the opposite is the way that works is, no, you realize the core of your being. And then from that place of being whole and complete, then you do things. And But the doing is actually just an expression of your raw, free creativity. It's just an expression of who you are. Yeah. Um, you know, like the pursuit of happiness, you know, Chuang Tzu, he's a, he was this Taoist master who lived like 2,500 years ago. And he said, um, happiness is the absence of the pursuit of happiness. And I thought about that for a long time. And then I had like one of those moments where I was like, oh, I get it. I get what Chuang Tzu was saying because, you know, you're pursuing something and there's nothing wrong with pursuit of happiness, by the way, um, because it simply is showing that you care about yourself. All you really want for yourself is happiness. And so you're seeking to be happy. You just are mistaken and you think that you can find it outside of yourself. Yeah. And so you get this thing, whatever this thing is. And for a moment, you feel contentment, you feel happiness. And in that moment, what you're actually experiencing is a taste of your true nature, yourself. Mm. You don't need anything else. Yeah. Then like what happens moment, is, like, sorry, but then I'm then I'm like a moment of awe, right? A, a moment, moment of awe. Of seeing a child or a puppy or like we've yeah. all experienced that. So I wanted to demystify it too. It's like this isn't some crazy. Like, you don't have to climb to a top of a mountain, right? Like, like no, we've all no, had no. it in little little moments, right, throughout our days, where you just drop in somewhere and you see great art or you you see a sunset or you your child's laughing and you just go exactly. Exactly. But then what happens is then the mind kicks in. Yeah. 
and it and it will do one of two things. It will either <laughs> fear losing the thing that you just got. That's right. Or it will want more. It's mm-hmm. not enough, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I got this hit, but the hit <laughs> of hap- the hit the hit hit of joy wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It was kind of a letdown. So maybe I need more. Mm-hmm. You know. So instead of making this amount of money, I need to make that amount of money. Instead of driving a Honda, I need to drive a Bentley. You know, all of these kinds of things. And it's like Vincent Felitti says, uh, he's an addiction uh, expert. He says, it's impossible to get enough of something that almost works. Anything that is outside of you is something that almost works. Mm-hmm. Because in essence, what you're really looking for is who you really are. Mm-hmm. Like if you're pursuing joy, a sense of identity through a job, what are you really looking for? You're just looking for yourself. Like, who am I? What am I capable of? Right? These are all things that all ultimately come back to us. Um, You know, which is why, you know, no job could ever totally fulfill you because your potential is infinite. You can never totally realize your potential because it's bottomless. But it's like there's in there to me is like this deep irony, right? Or complexity because... No job can fulfill you if you're seeking the next compart- right. component of it. But if you're truly living from a place of expression of, of being, um, then in every moment, it's fully fulfilling, yeah. <laughs> right? And but so, would, yeah. But I would say it's not the job that is fulfilling. No. I, w- I would say you're taking delight in being yourself. That's right. And it happens to express towards what we would call a job. So like this conversation is my job, right? I'm sitting here with you uh, doing this podcast. This is what I do for a living, but it is truly just me expressing myself authentically, honestly, from, from deep within. And, and so it's pure joy, right? It happens to have this outcome that we call a job and I put it out to this thing called a podcast, but it's not for the accolades or the success, or once it gets to a certain amount of, once it goes live, or if a certain amount of people listen to it, then I will feel I'm already in the full expression and yeah. nothing else will matter. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. to me, this is, this is why, this is why I've gravitated toward non-duality as a kind of like a cornerstone perspective on life, because it, you can't, you can't distill it down any more. Mm-hmm. Than this one idea that that there's one reality, the nature of our being is happiness and peace, and we really do share that being with everyone and everything. Mm-hmm. And the thing I love about, I mean, the distinction between those two is like we share our being with everyone, and we call that experience love. It's seeing that you know there is no ultimate. There ultimately, there's no you and me. Like we're the same. Um, now we're of the same substance, right? Like your experience of life is very different than my experience of life. So that's not to say that we're literally the same person. We're different expressions of the same being. And we call that love. And yeah. then, you know, the experience of of recognizing that shared being with creation is beauty. It's what we call beauty. And the only problem humanity has really is the denial that of this nature, this divine shared nature. 
because if we truly saw each other as one, as having shared being, there would be no such thing as war or greed. Um, you know, if we saw our direct connection with nature, you know, our true nature and nature being one, uh, we would take care of the world better, uh, knowing that, you know, it's all, it all impacts us. Yeah. And so it has really profound ramifications for all of life. And it's simply just that, that one perspective, because we really create the world based on our perspective of the world. I mean, it simply reflects our consciousness. And so ultimately, right? Like the thing that, that I find frustrating, I guess, is that we as a species are given this big thing between our ears, this brain, which is a lovely, lovely, you know, system, ecosystem. It, it, it stores information. It allows us to do all sorts of really interesting things, right? I can be on this podcast with you and, and there's a microphone that it's set up. And I mean, my, my mind is what navigates the world, makes things happen. Um, I, that's how I verbalize and speak to you. And at the same time, it is the source of all of my suffering, right? Cause yeah. it's like the thing that is never satisfied, never happy. I mean, I find it so annoying cause it's like, um, if I listen to my mind and it tells me, oh, we should do this podcast or I should, um, uh, go have dinner with a friend. And then simultaneously it'll say, well, did you meditate though? Do you think that going out to dinner makes sense? Cause you just spent money. And then it's like, well, maybe I'll stay home. You always stay home though. That's kind of uh, lame. Don't you think it, it basically circles all versions of the same choice and tells you how you fail. And yeah. it's like, I say to my clients, like, have you ever noticed a day where your mind says, I wouldn't have changed a thing. It was perfect. Like, mm. right. It never does that. It, it's like, I can't even look at my house right now. If I, if I use my mind to decide the quality of my home, it's like a, a, immediately it finds fault, right? It, it's oh, yeah. like, oh, I could, this water bottle sitting here, it's not fully situated in the right spot, right? It just, it immediately wants to problem solve. So how Kevin, given that we are, you know, embodied, we, we aren't, just in this awareness, oneness state all the time, we are, we are actually physical form. How do we contend with these, these brains, you know, that, that just derail our ability to connect. People don't want to meditate 10 hours a day. People yeah. don't want to, maybe people don't have time to go for hikes for two hours or what have you. They, they have these very, you know, um, and some people's lives are, are, are choices, but some people have a lot of stress in their life simply because the reality of their life is, is complicated. What's your yeah. opinion on that? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's okay. Like this is just the nature of the mind, right? Like this is the welcome to being human. So yeah. we have decades of conditioning. Um, you know, we we're like elite athletes when it comes to uh, thinking, like our minds are constantly going. So it's like, elite level, right? Conditioning. And so, you know, I tried to get rid of my mind. Like I went through this real meditation kick for a long time. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get rid of my mind. And uh, the harder I tried, the worse it got. Right. That does not um, work. 
Yeah, it's like it's like I feel like everybody me- goes through that phase. It's like I think it's good. I think you have to because you realize, um, no, like the more the more you resist it, the stronger it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't actually have to resist it. Like just just recognize it for what it is. Just see it. And the most important part, and this was the absolute game changer, it changed my life, was having the felt sense. It was like, okay, who am I? There are these thoughts, but the thoughts are coming and going. But I haven't come and gone. And just like I was able to hold that level of awareness for like 15 seconds. seconds. (laughs) I was going to say four seconds. That was it. Just like a little bit. Um, But it was enough because I was able to work up from four seconds to 15 seconds to 30 seconds to a minute. And it's like compound interest where at some point, like that account balance builds up enough to where you can hold it. You can hold it longer and you're just not, you're not as fooled anymore by by the mind and and its activity um you know it's like when i go out like if i'm in a busy crowd i go to the grocery store and there are people talking and there's music playing over the speakers and there are two you know there's somebody showing a lady where the bread aisle is and all of these things that are happening around me and i'm aware of them but i'm not like invested in them Mm-hmm. I, I don't get fixated on them. And I find these moments where my thoughts are the same way. Like they're just kind of, I'm thinking and they're happening, but it's, I'm not so attached to them that, that I feel like I'm drowning. Right. Right. You know, and some days are better than others. You know, sometimes are better than others because, you know, it's not just our minds, but it's our feelings. You know, there's the, I think of it as the mind body or the body mind, because it's all connected. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that thoughts are the vocabulary of the, of the mind and feelings are the vocabulary of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of those things come and go, but you never come and go. And yeah. it's just like, it's just like condition that, you know, like you have to work on that. I think this is where practices, spiritual practices are really helpful because they give you something to grab onto. Yeah. Um, to practice, you know? Yeah. And, you know, the, the recognition that the I remains, the observer self remains, and that the mind is in a constant, constant struggle between resisting what is and wanting what it believes it should have instead, right? So we have these yeah. delusional fantasies that the world should be a certain way, according to me. Like, right. There's seven, however many billion people on the planet and everybody has an aversion of the next 10 minutes. And the idea that my version is going to be the version. And when it's not that my mind throws this massive hissy fit that it's like, how could this not be happening the way I envisioned it? Right. And it's in this constant looping around what it perceives it should have and what the right answer is. And then the realities of life, right. And the realities of life are, and so sometimes you get caught up and you're like, you know, this sucks. This isn't what I, what I wanted. And, and I think what freed me was this recognition of the idea of enlightenment, that it's not 
getting outside of these things. It's that Mm -hmm. the time you spend really connecting that it's like, ah, I can't believe this didn't happen the way I needed it to, or this is happening and I'm just resisting it because, right. Or I need more of what I wanted, right. That pleasure seeking. When you can stop doing that uh, quicker and quicker and quicker. So there was a time in my life where I just lived there. I didn't even know there was another Mm -hmm. option. And then I started to do all this work, you know, a couple, two decades ago. and, And I realized, oh, wait, there's another way of living. And then, like you said, 14 seconds becomes, you know, two minutes, which becomes 20 minutes, which, you know, at some point, the time you spend in those frustrations only becomes 10 minutes, only yeah. becomes five minutes, right? And and you get oh, to yeah. a place where it's like, oh, I catch it at 10 seconds. I catch it at 90 seconds, right? Or at least yeah. if I can't stop the train from running down the track, my brain, um, I don't care that much, right? It's yeah. it's not um, um, causing me so much stress. It's like, I know it will go away eventually. So, yeah. you know, I love that that version of enlightenment. Yeah. And it's all super practical. Like I tell people what you should do is you should go out and get triggered and get good and pissed off (laughs) because what it's going to show you is where you're not free inside. It's going to show you like what you were talking about. The world should be this way. It shouldn't be that way. And these are all things that we learned from our parents and their parents and our culture and our leaders, all of these kinds of people. But if you feel like, defense, like I'm pissed off or I got triggered. Who is it that got triggered? Mm-hmm. I mean, like if you really like, you don't have to get spiritual about this. Just like ask, like, is this true? And Byron Katie that, you know, talks people through yeah. this with the work, you know, you know, he made me angry. Is that true? So are you such a victim that someone physically came and reached into your chest, changed your biochemistry and made you angry. We're like, right. no. Okay. Well then you start peeling away layer after layer and you just come to find out, no, it's just my mind demands that the world be a certain way. And that's right. reality is not that way. And there's no problem in reality. The problem is inside of me. That's right. And when you see that, right, like the weather happens, right? I mean, like I, you watch Natural Geographic. I was watching this one um, show and it was um, this really cute lion and these little lion cubs. And you're like, oh, and you see the, the lion go out and it wants to feed these little cubs. And you're like, oh, and the cubs look so sad when the lion leaves. And you're like, oh my God, I'm so scared for these little lion cubs. And their mom needs to come back. And what if something happens? And then you watch the lion go out and it's going to go kill a gazelle. And you're like, wait, no, I don't want you to kill the gazelle for the lion cubs. But then you're like, but I don't want the lion cubs to like, right. But this is what the mind does, right? It's like, which is the version of the natural world that it accepts, right? None. Like, well, well, somebody is going to not have their way today. And and it's an extreme example because somebody's going to die in the natural world. Um, But the reality is 100% of us will die, like 100%, Mm -hmm. right? Like nobody escapes the inevitability of death. And the pain, like everybody has pain. There's no such thing as a pain-free life. And so this expectation or desire for it to be 
otherwise, right? Like yeah. where's the version where the gazelle lives and, and the, the, the cubs are fed and right. It yeah. all works. It's like, I don't know. Right. That's not, yeah. not reality as it really is. And why should it be different? Well, because I've imposed a view of what I, what I think it should be. So yeah. Kevin, then to kind of like, just bring it home here. Um, these terms, right? The, they, 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 Akashic records for me and non-dualist state for you. It's like, if, if we were to just summarize down, right. I think what I'm hearing us say is that these are just the things we've found that have been around for thousands of years um, and work <laughs> to yeah. help people connect back to the simplicity of how to find happiness. Would you say? That's, that's what all of these things are about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're all, you know, it's like to steal from, you know, the Buddha, they're all fingers pointing to the moon. Like mm -hmm. Alan Watts would say, you know, we, we tend to suck on the finger for comfort <laughs> instead of going in and experiencing the reality for ourselves. And ultimately we all are just, we all just want to be okay. We just want to know that we're okay, that we can be happy. We want happiness for ourselves. We want happiness for others. And I think spirituality is just the language we wrap around that pursuit, Yeah, you know, and they all point to the same thing, which is, Hey, guess what? You already have it. It's just the pursuit that's making you unhappy. So stop it. I mean, Kung Fu, Panda, Dorothy, the spiritual text is like, right? right. There's no place like home. I mean, we, we already are. It's just unbelievable how little in culture supports it. Well, thank you so much, for, Kevin, for sharing your wisdom, your thoughts, your views today. I love chatting with you. It's so fun, isn't it? It is. Thank you so much. Do you need to get clarity on what your higher purpose is so that you can begin fearlessly living the more authentic life you know is possible? Well, so I invite you to join me for the Finding Your Purpose Virtual Accelerator. It's a 90 minute workshop that will help you quickly gain clarity on who you are and why you're here so you can experience deeper peace, joy, and freedom in your life. Simply join me at findmypurpose.net and register for this virtual workshop. That's findmypurpose.net. I hope to see you there.